Welcome to Compliance Pointers, where we take an in-depth look into the latest news, trends, and challenges surrounding information security, privacy, and marketing compliance. Let's dive in with your host, Jordan Eisner. All right, here we are back for another round of Compliance Pointers. I'm your host, Jordan Eisner, VP of Sales at Compliance Point, a mid-sized consulting firm that uh, supports our clients with risk management in the areas of information security, privacy, and regulatory compliance. Today, we're talking about SOC 2, specifically what organizations should be doing to prepare for a SOC 2 audit. So I'm joined by Jim Tierney, Senior Manager on our Assurance team at Compliance Point. Jim has been a SOC 2 specialist for us for almost two years now, I think, or maybe just right around there. And before that, he held a variety of positions for more than 20 years. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, Jim, at PwC. So, uh, yeah, give our listeners a little bit of your background uh, before we get into the topic today. Yeah, so <clears throat> I started my professional career at PwC. I was the uh, started as a help desk technician, then I became a man manager of um the regional help desk services at pwc shifted to security about 12 years ago <clears throat> out of our tampa office and i've worked in all phases of um, it security risk and compliance um, with the various governance roles including risk management um, issues management um, i did all the you know questionnaires that clients send and then um, assisted PwC in achieving their first uh, SOC 2 Type 2. Um, since then, I've been at Compliance Point helping clients uh, prepare and achieve their first SOC 2 in many cases and or um, improving their control monitoring for ongoing efforts. Nice. Very well put. All right, well, let's dive right in then. So uh, I like for our listeners or we like to start with a, a high level overview of the topic, right? So just talking about a SOC audit, who conducts them, you know, tell us a little about the different types of attestations. The, they hear SOC 1, SOC 2, SOC 3, right? Type 1 versus type yeah. 2. What criteria you want to put in, right? How have you drawn the scope and the boundaries, right? Sum that up for us a little bit just to, to start, okay. and, and then we'll get more into strategy. Yeah, so, you know, basically, um, charter or certified public accountants, you know, CPAs, they conduct the SOC 2 attestation. Um, you know, the, the SOC is service organizational control. So it's really an attestation. It differs a little bit from a certification in that you're really um, putting things in place and then you're getting an opinion from professional auditors about the status of your control environment. So there are different types of reports. Um, the SOC 2 type 2 is the most popular, and that's because it extensively outlines the control environment. It also includes testing procedures and results for those. So you can imagine why clients would want that because they can see what actual tests were performed and they get the highest level of assurance. Um, the SOC 2 type 1 is a great first step uh, for people who are getting their control environment in order. Um, the opinion differs uh, because the CPA offers an opinion in the ad test of your controls design. Um, and that's a point in time report. Uh, it gets you, you know, basically halfway there. You have 
controls that have been uh, ratified and attested to. And after that, you can shift into your next step would be, you know, logically and probably good for your clients to a SOC 2 type 2, where you then focus on implementation of those controls. Um, and that's, you know, the, the major difference between the type 1 and type 2. The type 2 is a period of time. So your controls have to operate effectively throughout the whole scope of the period. A SOC 3 has the same kind of test procedures as a SOC 2 type 2. Um, the difference is the report. So the report is um, what we say like windowed down. It's uh, the Joe Friday version, just the facts. Um, it it uh, It's the advantage of the SOC 3 is having it demonstrates that you materially meet the AICPA trust service criteria and that's it. It doesn't show um, the actual test procedures or results. Um, and the reason people um, add the SOC 3 to say a SOC 2 type 2 is that you can share it with anyone. Mm -hmm. um, so this gives you, this opens the door for prospective clients for, you know, you could even post it on your website. Right. Okay. Um, and SOC 1 is more financial related. So that is really, um, that's focused on the system itself. Uh, it's for companies that are going to rely on your system for their financial reporting. Um, so, you know, when I hear SOC 1, I'm thinking, you know, you must deal with, um, typically you would deal with some kind of financial um, application or something like that. And those are very, those are highly customized to what exactly you're doing. And I'm guessing SOC 2 was born out of SOC 1 just because of the numerical order. But, and that's also part of why a CPA is required to do a SOC 2, even though it might not necessarily be financial data. Well, I think the, um, the, the SOC 2 is, you know, meant for more general service organizations. So it, it's a, the, the way um, CPAs sort of expanded into, hey, why don't we, instead of just focusing on, um, you know, financial reporting, you know, there's other important aspects that service organizations need to have under their belt. Um, so they came up, you know, with the, the SOC 2, and that has, you know, a list of established trust services criteria that would apply in most cases to in some degree to all reports. Okay. Well, thanks for that. Um, one thing we'll we'll talk about as we talk about strategies for you know a successful SOC 2 audit is you'll hear the word control, control owners thrown around. And I think we throw around that term pretty often, at least here at Compliance Point, because we're all used to it, we understand it. Uh, maybe we take for granted sometimes that uh, people have different definition of control. So just give give like an example or two, right, of like a control um, or, you know, the, you know, define that. I know that's not necessarily a question we prefer beforehand, but I think that's a good, you know, kind of uh, preamble, right, before we start asking about control owners and other things. Yeah, a, a control is, in, and in SOC 2, they're, they're, you know, individual to the company. You can, you know, make your own controls, um, but it, it's basically a, you know, a statement of how you um, manage a particular facet of, you know, security availability, confidentiality. 
Um, an example would be all employees are vetted before uh, being given access to the sensitive data environment. Um, so, you know, you have that statement and uh, that's something that, you know, has to be executed on the back end. So, you know, in testing that, you know, a CPA would look and say, okay, show me the um, background checks of everybody and the dates they started and then check that against when they were granted access to sensitive systems. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and you know, they they go, you know, there's some that are, you know, focused on human capital. There's um, some that are just focused on, you know, managing the environment. Some are focused on, you know, access controls, always a big area to have control um, and to have established controls. Um, and then there's like systems um, too. So you want to, you know, something like, hey, all of our, all systems um, have intrusion detection on them, you know, something like that. So easy to test. The, the, I, I'd say the, the cleaner, um, the cleaner the control, the, you know, easier it is for the CPA to test and the easier it is for your control owners. Those are the yeah, people. That's, yeah, yeah, that's kind of a segue to my next question because, okay. you know, talking about a successful audit and We'll, we'll start with it probably makes sense to avoid overly rigid requirements and have realistic control objectives right so so talk more about that right you were just getting into it but uh, you know you don't want to make it too hard for yourself I guess basically yeah it's you know you know think of it as um, management has the duty and responsibility to assess risk in their organization so there's no reason to have controls that are, you know, tighter than what the defined risk posture is. So while you have to have, you know, you want enough uh, to support um, management security objectives. Um, so, you know, I, I, I steer clients away from, I would say, like aspirational um, controls and for that matter, policy statements, uh, because, you know, they are more likely to fail tests. Um, so you want a control that can be implemented and executed uh, predictably and repeatedly. Um, so with that case, you know, finding the balance of, you know, what is what makes the environment secure? What are we capable of executing and having that? That doesn't mean you can get away with you know, having controls that are so weak that they don't do anything. Um, but it uh, it does mean, you know, don't have like, you know, you know, backups are going to be um, tested every day. You know, every failure will be remediated in the same day. You know, something right. you know, crazy like that. Or every employee is going to be vetted before <clears throat> they have access to sensitive data and the vetting can take no longer than one hour. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, you want to you want to, you know, have a realistic risk profile, which you know, part of SOC two, you will have, you know, put together a risk assessment, and so making risk based decisions is the right way to design controls and to operate the environment. Okay, let's talk about control owners, right? Uh, what are they expected to do? Who are they? 
Yeah, if you're if if your organization is new to SOC two, then people may not realize that they're despite what they're um, hired for now, they are also control owners. Um, so this is you know the individual typically like you know at least a line manager who operates a process. So you know for instance the human capital manager would own the controls around employee onboarding typically. So the control owner is responsible for making sure that the HR processes are followed, that they can um, evidence that the controls are working properly, et cetera. So it's it's not, you know, usually a control owner is related to the area in which the control is established. That's, you know, that's key. Um, and, you know, just usually this is like a side job of, you know, making sure that, hey, I've also got to be accountable and make sure this is executed um, as part of my role. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I remember when our organization was going through SOC 2, I thought it was good and, and it seems, and I tell other organizations this when they're considering it, it's important that, you know, this is communicated from the top down, right? This is a team effort. It's important for the organization. These are the benefits, right? And that starts with the executive team all the way down, right? In terms of control owners and doing yeah, your part as part of it. Yeah. And that can't be understated because, you know, it's, you know, security 101 is management buy-in. Um, so without management support, it's going to be very challenging to line up the resources to make sure people have the time um, to also be control owners in the environment. And uh, frankly, a lot of uh, any kind of SOC 2 readiness effort is going to depend on management support. Uh, and there are typically controls that management is going to be in charge of operating. So they are likely be control owners themselves. Yeah. So you're not going to get anywhere without, you know, some level of buy-in um, from management. Makes sense. Uh, let's talk about policy and procedure documentation. That's not very important for SOC 2, is it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, policy is the backbone of your program, so it, it's vital. Um, and, you know, what you want here again is, you know, you don't want um, some aspirational policy where you write it super tight <clears throat> and you don't leave any kind of flexibility to make risk-based decisions. So policy should be, you know, higher level and accurate. So um, I, I don't think you want to get uh, into um, difficult to execute minutia at the policy level. You know, it's really kind of here's how our security program structured. Here's what management expects. Um, and that's critical on the other side because, you know, a CPA auditor coming in to them, policy is management's view of how things are actually operating. Um, so when they find violations of your own policy, that will be listed as an exception or deficiency of some kind um, because they, you know, this is something that management has said is happening and it's not happening. So you, you know, not only does your internal organization need to know this, the consumers of your product also will be informed if it's a SOC 2 type 2. Hmm. Um, so it's, 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 it's important to get the right level. You know, policy should be high level. Um, it should be reviewed 
um, at least annually and save some of the details for your procedures. Um, so procedures are where you kind of will get more definitive um, and, uh, you know, about the actual processes in, as they are. And, I, you know, my typical consulting advice is start with what you're doing um, because that's, you know, that not only will that, does that make sense? Um, to me, a procedure or standard operating procedure, um, that's that's the opportunity for someone to have like a document that demonstrates how to run a certain something. Uh, so if they bring somebody in, you know, this document I think should be useful to them in showing how you run the environment. That way the individual um, who wrote it or is in charge of it can move on to other things. And meanwhile, they can know that there's some standard of, um, there's some standards in place for operating that particular thing. So mm -hmm. procedures, again, you don't want to get too aspirational. You want to just say what it is and, um, you know, make sure it meets your kind of risk profile, um, that you're doing the right things and that it's, you know, predictable and repeatable. Got it. High level, but tells the truth, predictable yes. and repeatable. Yeah, yeah. And procedures can get really, you know, they can get more detailed. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah which uh, is fine. Yeah. Um, you know, including down to like screen caps of like, hey, here's how we set the security on this particular system. Um, that's fine because procedures are expected to change, um, you know, with a greater frequency than I would say policy. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so you talked about CPA firms a little bit and what they're looking for and how they view policy and we'll come back to them. Um, but, you know, maybe to that tune, right, they expect the policy to be management or the policy is how the organization should be running. And really, we're looking to see that the activities, the operations mirror that. So what's the best way to find gaps or red flags in that, right, of the security program before an audit, right, to, to see where the policies aren't being followed, right? And the procedures don't match that up. It doesn't mirror, right? How, how, what's the best way to go about determining that in a way that you can figure out or roadmap how to fix or remediate those before an audit? Yeah, and that's, you know, there's just get organized around, you know, the SOC. So, you know, have the list of controls and of those, some of them will need to be checked more frequently than others, but you want to basically establish a control monitoring program. So some things it might make sense to, you know, make sure that people reviewed access every quarter. Um, checkpoints for, you know, did we did we run our vulnerability scan when we were supposed to? Are we remediating things in line with you know what we've defined in our vulnerability and patch management policy um so you know creating that list of all the controls and then and then highlighting when you need to go back and check on some of those mid-year that way you don't have um you don't find out you know a month before the audit that you know you missed two quarters of scans um or people didn't um, do their user reviews. You you nail that like when it needs to be hit so that you capture that periodic evidence. So I would, you know, think of it um, 
to have a successful audit, think of it as a year round program. It doesn't mean you have to stare at the controls every day and go like, oh my gosh, I, you know, did we get a new hire today? Um, but it does mean uh, periodically checking on, you know, all of them, making sure there's a status because there's things you want to capture to make the audit um, move more smoothly. So you want to capture those important meetings and agendas. You want to capture those scans. You want to capture your efforts for remediation. You want to catch any kind of thing that might be broken in your on your new hire onboarding process. Catch it early. Um, so check that first quarter. Uh, look at who started. Um, look for evidence of uh, of access requests. You know, make sure that their background check was done. Make sure that they completed security awareness training. Um, so the, the best way is to programmatically and periodically throughout the SOC 2 period is identify which controls you need to test along the way. And that is a robust control monitoring program. Right. And that is necessary to prepare for an audit, right? Obviously. Yeah. By the time. The, yeah. Now, depending on the approach of the auditor, some do like. Um, interim and update testing. So they come in like six months and 12 months. But often you'll find they come at the end of the period um, and look back for the whole year. So, so it better, you know, better have been working. Yes, it should have yeah. been. It should have been working the whole time. And um, one of the kind of areas is it like as soon as uh, you get one report, um, it's not uncommon for the control owners to, to scurry away and you know, you gotta mm -hmm. you gotta bring them back. Um, You're talking about subsequent years, right? Continuing. Yeah, they're they're right. by the time you get the report for the last period, you're in the next period. Right. Because it so, feels like probably such a race, a sprint, right, or marathon, whatever. Yeah, you there's want to a call lot it. of work that. Yeah, there's a lot of work. And you get the report, to, and you want to be done, audit. but you're you're right back at it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're in the next period. You've so been taken kinda... from the mountaintop, put right back down on the bottom, and said, <laughs> "Climb again." Yeah, so it's, you know, mm -hmm. you got to make sure that, you know, give people, you know, give them a little break. Yeah, but, you know, by the like... end of the first quarter, you know, come back and like, hey, let's let's at least check on, um, you know, these big areas with periodic controls that we need to to make sure are operating. Right. OK, uh, what about specific to the audit? Right. Uh, I know that that obviously goes into preparing and the controls need to be functioning right. Right. You need to demonstrate, yep. provide that evidence. But what about for the actual audit part of it, when you're going to meet with the CPA firm and they're going to request this information, what's the best way to prepare for that? Yeah, I, I would. Um, I would say, you know, have, you know, discussion with uh, with all the control owners, prepare them for, you know, talking to the auditor. These are generally um, basically think of them as interviews. So um, what you want control owners to do is adequately represent um, their areas and and to you know stay focused on you know what the controls are and um, what evidence they have now sometimes it does make sense to to present a certain area you know that may have some complexities you may have a presentation of just like hey here's how we operate this area. It's not necessary for everything. Some of this stuff is pretty black and white, like give me all your um, current employees um, out of those. Give me these 10. Show me that they, you know, updated their security training, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, 
but the um, and also just to kind of put your control owners at ease. Um, you know, it's it's an interview. It, you know, sometimes there's a little bit of nervousness about um, dealing with auditors, um, but it's really just present your controls um, in with the scope systems. Um, be confident with what you're delivering. And then I would say I would caution against kind of oversharing. You know, I've, you know, been a part of some audits where, you know, a control owner just starts waxing poetically about things that aren't really, wasn't really a question and that are at best impertinent and, you know, can be damaging um, to the impression that you're leaving with with the auditor so just be prepared confident and um as far as organizing with the auditor i would say you know take the time to discuss with them uh, when they'll when they'll be doing their testing when you can start getting them um some of the evidence so that you can move the audit along some some evidence you would you know you already have it's ready so go ahead and get that into their hands and then others, you know, they might have to wait till the end of the period so that they can test the whole period. You know, have that marked out like here's all my the evidence I can give them now. Here's the evidence that we'll have to get them as soon as the period closes as soon after as we can so that they can select their samples. Um, and that's, you know, have a, you know, a, have a good relationship with them, you know, give them what they ask for and. Well, that's what I was going to ask. I think I think that's a good bridge to sort of the last question I wanted to ask today, right? You talk about having a good relationship with the CPA firm. How how should a company go about selecting a CPA, right, to do this attestation? You know, what what are some maybe some key things they should look for or consider? Yeah, I would say look for. Um, I would say the the kind of right level of firm for your organization. So there's some questions I would ask. Is like you know has your firm worked in the area of my particular business before do you have experience dealing with kind of similar systems hmm. um that we have or in this in this industry so try to line that up because you get more kind of understanding um and less uh, back and forth on explaining what those things are and then you know look at reputation is it you know if you're a small company do you want to go try to you know, achieve a, a big four audit, you probably want somebody kind of, you know, size and scale that would kind of fit with your organization. And then I would, um, you know, look at, you know, see if there's, if you have industry peers who they're using, talk to people. Um, if you have, you know, somebody like Compliance Point Consulting, you know, ask them about relationships they have and who they might recommend. Mm -hmm. um, but really, you know, and when you talk to them, just I don't know how to describe this professionally. Make sure you vibe a little bit, you know. Right. Yeah. You know, That's if they're coming out report. of left field, you know, if they're yeah. if it if it sounds like it's you know because it's you know hopefully you have this relationship for a long time because um, it does make you know subsequent auditors audits um, you know somewhat more predictable in that you know you kind of you both get to know each other in the organization so you know where to kind of look and what to fix right okay well there you have it
from the uh, from the mind of a of a SOC two expert, right? How to prepare for what controls you need to have, you know, why all this matters, how to select a firm. So, thanks for coming on, Jim. Very helpful. Yeah, I think you're for welcome. our listeners, and thank you to our listeners. If you haven't, make sure you subscribe to avoid missing future episodes. If you're already subscribed and enjoying the content, please be sure to leave us a review. Um, and if you're interested in learning more about Compliance Point our SOC 2 readiness services, for instance, or, uh, you know, we we partner with a lot of companies on SOC 2 that do that testation. So maybe um, some advice from us on what firm fits your profile. Check us out online, compliancepoint.com. Inquire with us at connect at compliancepoint.com or reach out to Jim or myself directly on LinkedIn. Yep. All thanks, right. Jordan. Yep.